0: Hook 'em up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn.
1: Hook 'em up indeed. I'm in Gary Clark Jr. with the intro. Appreciate Gary. All our local musicians. Oh yeah. Who open our hours here on the five-hour extravaganza known as Hook'em Up with E and Rod B on the horn. Appreciate you being there. We're talking all things longhorns this hour coming up. Steve Sarkeesian on all things Saturday scrimmage and what's to come, the mock week they're going to have this week getting ready for game week next week Uh, a lot of sound from Sark talking uh, about his offense his defense his uh, concerns also Mm -hmm. he weighed in on DeMarvion Oversham oh yeah he did talk to DeMarvion he said we'll have that for you coming up one other note on we're talking about uh, toughest divisions according to Vegas AFC and NFC was the North would it surprise you Rod and Ty to know that uh, according to Vegas the Buffalo Bills are the consensus highest. You know, the the if you're pick, if you're just going by the, the odds, the Bills are the most favored team to win their division, even though they're in a very difficult division with the Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, two and the Dolphins, who might be talking to Jonathan Taylor. Patriots are in that division. Bills are plus one twenty across the board. Whether you're at DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, they're plus one twenty to win their division.
2: I don't understand it. So they're they have better odds to win their division than Kansas City does to win. Yes. The AFC West, why?
1: And the Jaguars to win the South. Well, because the
2: Chiefs have dominated. I know the Chiefs have never lost a road game in that division. Yeah, with Patrick Mahomes as the starting quarterback. That's a crazy. Stat. Like, like how do they? How they're not the favorite to win? And who are the? I guess the chart. Maybe they really like the Chargers this year. Uh, with for, with well, for the Kevin Chiefs. Moore? The
1: Chiefs, it's uh, Chargers plus 340.
2: I mean, but the Broncos are not going to challenge the Chiefs. The Raiders and Josh Mc, they're not going to challenge well, the, the Chiefs.
1: Well, the only team that's close in consensus are the Eagles. And the Eagles, if you go to FanDuel,
2: you know. And it's you're not gambling Cowboys FanDuel, fans.
1: Eagles are minus 115 and to win the division. There
2: hasn't been a back-to-back champion in that division since when? 2004 or five Yeah, mid-2000s? it's been a long time. Got, they, every year yeah, they have a new champion every year.
1: Yeah. So well, and the Eagles won it last year. The Cowboys won it the year
2: before. They do look like they're going to win it this year, though, the Eagles. I would...
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: If they look, if I had to pick right now, I'd, I'd probably pick them. But there's no guarantee because Dak has performed really well in that division. Dak.
1: Dak kind of owns the NFC East. Well, kind of like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And I would also say that it, uh, I agree with you on the Eagles that I could see that, but I just don't see the Bills because the Bills were not that great last year.
2: And they're regressing. They. Dang, uh, somewhat. They
1: dang near lost to the Bills. And they they must think this Dalton Kincaid, uh, the tight end they drafted out of Utah, Utah is going to bring a new element to Josh Allen because, um, you know, they've got weapons— and they've got, but they don't run the ball. I'll say, do
2: they have a running game finally? That's not Josh Allen.
1: Yeah, I'll be interested uh, as the
2: Wayne weapon in the running looking game.
1: Looking at those odds, that surprised me. I, I wouldn't have picked Buffalo to be kind of the consensus to win their division. Kansas City more is. than anyone else. I would pick Kansas City it,
2: it, right now. If I was I'd give it to Kansas City. Like I said, they haven't a ro- lost a road game in that division with Mahomes as to start. That didn't even makes sense. All
1: right, all things <laughs> Longhorns. Let's go. Let's get it. Let's get the headlines here to start your eight uh, o'clock hour. Start with Texas football. Season now 11 days out. Depth chart coming into focus for the 11th-ranked Longhorns. Head coach Steve Sarkeesian, though, yesterday at his press availability, said the team's mock game this Saturday will be the final step in defining that two-deep role. Sarkeesian says he wants to have that chart solidified by the end of the week and that heading into game week, it's going to make for some tough decisions because it's been a very competitive camp, but his team ready to handle the truth.
3: Real life, you know, and I think that's why we've created uh, an environment here where we're – Honesty works, you know, and and being transparent works. And, you know, I I don't think by the time we put a depth chart to the team and when we explain to them in their position meeting who's going to go with the ones and who's with the twos and so on and so forth, there's not going to be a lot of surprises, you know, because we're very upfront with our players on a regular basis. And so, Uh, We're constantly trying to improve them. Uh, We're constantly trying to give them the things we'd like for them to work on. We're constantly trying to show living examples of players that do it right and what that looks like and why that's how we want it. And we point out times when we don't do it right. And so that everybody gets a real sense and a feel of what we're looking for and, and how we try to get it done.
1: Also from Texas football, junior wide receiver Xavier Worthy and sophomore offensive tackle Kelvin Banks were both named second-team preseason All-Americans by the Associated Press yesterday. Worthy has played and started in 25 career games with 122 receptions, 21 touchdowns. That's good for third all-time in Texas history already. Banks is, of course, second-year player out of Bumble, was tremendous, started all 13 games, of left tackle as a true freshman. As far as that first-team preseason All-American selections, the uh, squad is led by the reigning Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams, quarterback at USC. Michigan running back Blake Corum is there on first team. Ohio State wide receiver Marvin Harrison Jr. and Georgia's talented tight end Brock Bowers. One player from the Big 12 made the first team. That's K-State guard Cooper Beebe. How about Major League Baseball? Three-team race atop the American League West. Tightened up even more last night. First place Rangers lo- dropped a, a gut-punch loss in Arizona to open that series. Their bullpen couldn't hold two separate leads. They're up one to nothing in the ninth inning and it was a Oldest Chapman giving up a solo home run to Cattell Marte. Then they had a 3-1 lead in the 11th inning. But once again, the Texas bullpen couldn't close it. Snakes rallied for three. Runs in that frame to win it, 4-3. Houston, meanwhile, opened up their series with Boston with a 9-4 win. And the Mariners continue to roll. They clobbered the White Sox in Chicago, 14-2. They've won seven in a row. So as we wake up this morning, the Rangers are a game and a half up on the Astros, two up on Seattle. (laughs) At Dell Diamond tonight, Round Rock Express will look to tie a franchise record and want to look in to win their 13th consecutive game. They'll open a series with Salt Lake tonight at 7.05. Foreign
0: Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Riddles and Lawn Equipment. Top Guns join forces with the legendary Austin Outdoor Power to give you the best lines of outdoor power equipment and fastest repair turnaround times in town. topgun.net Gun.net will shoot you straight.
2: All right. Um, I don't know how much uh, this Steve Sarkeesian sound do you want to get to because it's a lot of it. We I got think some we good meaty stuff.
1: Well, it is, and I think there's a lot to like, and then there's concerns in here. We could uh, dive into some Texas football. You just heard him. What do you think of what he said in the headlines? He said, look, we're we're up front with our players. You know, we're going to have some tough decisions to make, probably a right guard, linebacker, uh, corner. Corner is a hot battle. You've talked about that a lot, Rod. With that, Malik uh, With Malik Muhammad, the freshman Trench having such Brooks. a good camp. But then you, know, you heard Sark yesterday talking about Gavin Holmes. The Wake Forest transfer had a great scrimmage and has had a good camp. I mean, there's a really good level of competition at the corner position, but as as you just heard Sark say, somebody's going to be the one, somebody's going to be the two, and we'll have those conversations.
2: Yeah, somebody's earned that, and I think for uh, for Sark, you know, he he wants to buy himself a little bit more time to make those decisions. He was asked about it in the media availability and basically said after they have their, it's not a walkthrough; they're going to have a, a kind of a Saturday, um, kind of a game, a mock game, yes. if you will um and they after they do the mock game which actually is not going to be like a scrimmage it's just going over situations that may arise and how they handle halftime how they handle Pre-game, the walk—you know—even they might even do the walk down Bevo Boulevard. Like I don't even know they might do something like that. I think they might. I mean, they try might to, actually trying to, yeah. try
1: to rep it as much as they can. They, they want
2: to get close to it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: they're going to do Saturday as a mock game, and I think the whole week is going to be kind of a mock week of just what yep. next week's going to look just like, just so the young
2: guys know exactly the, the protocol and everything. So yeah, I mean, it's after that, then you'll get a depth chart, and right now, I'll admit, I have no idea who's going to win like two of three of those starting spots on defense, and that. Defensive end opposite of Baron Sorrell. He's loved him. Some Ethan Burke, I'm talking about Ethan Burke when we go behind the Bernard's Curtain here. He also has been very complimentary of Justice Finkley at that spot. Off-ball linebacker, opposite Jalen Ford. He loves Anthony Hill, the prodigy, but he's really been complimentary of David Bender, the fifth-year senior and what he's done. Also brought up Mo Blackwell in that competition. Then a corner we just talked about. So I think there are three competitions, on, open competitions on defense right now. We still actually don't know who's going to be solidified as the starter in that role. We just don't know.
1: Yeah, I think yeah. it's uh, really, really. It's atten- a
2: good problem to have though, because that means as a coach, he it, the competition is so good, um, healthy that he believe. Yeah, exactly. That he believes that he may have multiple guys who deserve that starting nod, and he's just going to decide. You know what? Should so just got be better in a rotational role, or should so will this player respond differently if I make him the starter? Will he stop? You know, will he stop grinding if yeah. I make him a starter? Because yeah. some guys, you, you, you play that uh, out as a coach. You go, you know what, he's a grinder. He, he it motivates him, actually, more when he thinks he's got a goal that he's got to strive for. And some coaches, they'll play that mind game with the guy. Like, nah, man, I want to see you push a little bit more. Go take that spot. Um, and you still keep the competition somewhat open, so we'll see.
1: And that's what Sark said. He he didn't announce the depth chart yesterday because he wants the grind to continue this week through the mock game Saturday, but they will likely have a depth chart and a two-deep next week. Uh, I thought this was a good cut, Rod, because um, player-led, right? You hear that a lot, player-led, culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sark has called this a player-led team, and the players have said we're player-led. Listen to Sark. This is one that you can be optimistic about, I think. And, again, the talking season continues. We haven't seen a game yet. But this sounds like a team that is headed in a really good direction when it comes to culture, pushing one another. Listen to Sark when he was asked about, you know, you know, why do you feel like the bar has been set? How do you think the bar has been raised? And what's it like to be able to rotate, go from good to good, right? When you're, you're going to, to the number two, that you still have a good player there. Or even down to number three, that there's not a huge drop off. Yep. Here's Sark on what that has done to this team and the mindset that they have. Uh, one to 85
3: the players will be quick to let you know, and and I and I and I appreciate that because they want to be great, they want to have a great football team, and they know they need everybody. You know, it doesn't matter when we sit in a team room. As I talk to our players, everybody's got a role on our team, and you know I, I get it. There's the Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy's, you know, of the world, the Jalen Fords of the world. Um, but on that same note, there's that other guy who is getting him ready to play every week on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and how valuable he is to give the really good look to push them to be the best that they can be day in and day out. And I, I do think our team has a great deal of respect for one another that way, that that everybody has a role on our team that's gonna contribute to our success. And when you can when you can understand your role and everybody can appreciate your role and then you can do maximum effort in your role, man, that that's when you have something Pretty special. And so uh, I would say the majority of our team really understands that aspect. All
1: right, there's Sark. Yeah. I'm pushing one another. Everybody's got their job and my job's to make you better, Rod.
2: Yeah, and you know, as as a teammate, your job, you know, is to make each other better. Right? In that competition. I said this yesterday, there are probably less than ten not probably there are less than ten teams in the country where the practices are harder than almost 90% of all the games because the talent level is that high, but then the competition level is extremely high too – and I think Stark's referencing you know some of that too where you just keep pushing each other whether that be the players and the coaches um, so right now they, they, they're not saying they're there just yet uh, but that, that's the goal for the practices to be so competitive and to be such uh, filled with so much elite talent that are just sharpening each other uh, with that competition that when you go into the games the reason it's so much fun is because you know, I've been facing a first round wide receiver in practice every day grinding in the heat honestly going up against you. No offense, whoever you are, guy, but I got you I, yeah, exactly. I don't fear you, even if you are a first rounder. All right, I, I'm prepared for that.
1: Yeah, you know I mean? like that. The, the, the cut when he started with the players will let you know. The question was, you know, how do you avoid when you go to the twos and the threes a drop off? And mm-hmm. he said the players will let you know. The player, if if you if you come in the spell a guy, and you your level of play drops, they're gonna they're gonna get up get up your butt. You know yep. what I mean? Uh, they're peer gonna, accountability, yeah. Peer accountability. Hey, now uh, that's not the standard guy, and that if that's coming from the players, uh, not the coaches, it's not the dog coaches dogcussing mm-hmm. the players. It's actually coming from within the locker room. That's a, that's what he just said. That's some really special stuff. When and that's when special things can happen. We got to see it. We haven't seen this team in dogfight yet. We haven't seen them uh, in in the live fire. But uh, same time, you know, it does it does feel like that's been a consistent theme that, that they do push one another?
2: Yeah, no, and I, I think the the talent level Sark turning over the roster with this much talent in such a short time span is a big reason why. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I just you got to play this roster is supposed to be one of the most. I, I looked at Pro Football folks. they do their uh th- three tier, like uh, three tier all conference teams for every conference in college football, and then they tallied up all of the conference selections for all the teams across the country, and they said Texas had the most. Yeah. All conference selections by pro football folks, more than Georgia, more than Bama. The talent level is just it, it, through the roof. And and Sark's get, Sark gets credit for that. He did a great job of turning over the roster. Speaking of that talent, um, the quarterback position – his quarterback room may be the most talented position room on the 40 acres, or matter of fact, it may be one of the most talented position rooms in the country. I'm um, here to start talking about how the quarterbacks performed in the uh, most recent scrimmage, which was the depth chart scrimmage. Here's Sarkisian
3: from the quarterback standpoint. I really think their command has really improved, you know, at, at their varying stages. I think Quinn, being a second year starter, he's definitely in command of that first unit, and you feel good about that. Um, I think that uh, Arch and Malik. Both have grown in their roles and in what they're doing, and their command of the offense and taking charge. Uh, obviously, we got to keep pushing consistency at that position, whether it's fundamentals, whether it's progression, whether it's pocket presence, um, you know, whatever that. Whether it's tempo, whatever that looks like. But there's a level of consistency at that position that I think ultimately drives the unit. And so we got to we got to keep working on that. Which that's that's why we coach, you know.
2: Drives the unit. Uh, yeah, he's talking about the competition level again. That's what he's basically yeah. doing. Dri- the unit as a whole, performing at a high level, if the competition level is high and the talent level is high, that's what I think he's, he's hinting at there, even with, with every room, but obviously his quarterback role.
1: Coming up behind that, Burn Orange Curtain. Rod will uh, take you on the defensive side. Front seven playing really good. Mm-hmm. Also for you uh, Westlake fans, like Ty through there, Ethan Burke. Mm-hmm. Sark says he's a mechanic. Called him a, a mechanic. Blue collar, blue baby. Blue collar, blue
2: collar. Go to work every day. Yeah, I play His your, hands dirty.
1: Can I play you a cut, uh, Rod? Because I want your thoughts because you talked about it just yesterday uh, and this week. The, the 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 coaches that use the most fly motion, right? They use the most players oh, yeah. in motion mm-hmm. uh, in the NFL because you know the Texans are going to do some of that with uh, Sloick, Bobby Sloick, Bobby awesome, and yeah. Mike McDaniel last night with the or in over on Saturday with the Dolphins and Tyreek Hill. Uh, the, the the Kyle Shanahan, but we know Steve Sarkeesian loves the motion, mm-hmm. and you know we've we've had a lot of conversations here on uh, uh, on, on Xavier Worthy and his yep. his up and down season last year. It and was. Tech, I was at the Alamo Dome when he dropped that long pass that would have been a touchdown and really changed the mood of the game there. And Texas fans are down on on, on X Man, right? They he was a fabulous All American freshman. Freshman All American, and then last year with the broken hand and with you know limited numbers at receiver mm-hmm. outside of Jordan Whittington, he was asked to do probably several roles that he shouldn't have been asked to do, or or is, you know he just asked to do too much. Agreed. And he, listen to Sark because this goes to exactly your point on that for fans that are you know still wondering about Xavier Worthy and where he is. Your Sark on because in the scrimmage on Saturday, apparently he got loose a couple of times and he had some explosive plays. At the end of the scrimmage, he burned Ryan Watts, your starting boundary corner for a big play. And Sark was asked about what's leading to the explosives that we're seeing the X-Man uh, come with. And will that continue?
3: I think the one thing that we're seeing is, to your point, you know, um, you know, AD, Isaiah, Jonte, these guys are really good deep ball players. You know, they, they have the ability to track the ball and go make contested catches. And when it's one-on-one, that, that's an advantage for those guys. And so now all of a sudden, when you've got to pull a safety out of the top to go do that. Um, that creates opportunities for Xavier um, to not always have to do that to create explosive plays. A lot of times he can do this. And when he can catch and run and get out the back door, like I think about his freshman year, he catches an in cut <laughs> against Texas Tech, and he makes one guy miss a tackle, and then he can go score from a distance. And so, uh, it still ends up being a sixty-something yard touchdown pass, but it, we only had to throw the ball fifteen or so yards, and so that's helpful. But it also does it help them? You know, he, he caught a, he caught two deep balls Saturday um, because, again, all the attention can't just be on him and you have to worry about other people on the field now and so when he does get those one-on-ones I think that rapport with he and Quinn is important and it was really nice to see Saturday that that we're able to hit a couple you know balls down the field to him um, to where we can take advantage of that as well.
1: Interesting Rod because you know I want to just set you up to your answer on that because you I don't think that Xavier Worthy was a great I don't think he is a great receiver to high point the ball, right? To go up and win a contested no. one-on-one play. No. Isaiah Nair, I think is. Uh, I think uh, you know they, they. I think A. D. Mitchell. He just said it. Jonte Cook. Uh, but this will allow you to get because those guys can can play that role. Mm-hmm. And think about it. He mentioned the Texas Tech game his freshman year. Think about the the beginning of the Oklahoma game his freshman year. It was that quick little tunnel screen. It was. House call. One yep. guy missed, game over. This is what I think you're going to see more from the X-Men, and I want your, your scouting report on that, where because you have deep threats around him, he's going to be working underneath. He's going to be working crossing routes. He'll be working um, you know, those quick that quick game pass where he should be mm-hmm. to just play to his strength.
2: Yep, Uh, and and you're so right. I mean, just give you a quick stat, because you're talking about yards after the catch, right? Yak, and Sark's big about being a yak daddy, uh, top five in the country in yak yards, meaning um, percentage of your yards that come after the catch. And that's what Sark's big on. Last Two years ago, 2021, you saw Xavier Worthy average eight and a half yards after the catch per reception. That's a pretty big number. Um, This past season, it was 5.4. His depth of target, though, in 2022, 17.8. His depth of target in 2021 was 13 yards. So he, they were throwing the football to him deep downfield, the eye test matches up with the analytics. He became typecast. Um, the loss Isaiah Nayor, Sark's obsession with the deep ball. Well, he needs a target in the deep ball, and he doesn't like Jordan Whittington. And I, I, th- I can tell you why he doesn't like Jordan Whittington on deep ball. Have you guys watched Jordan Whittington try to catch a deep ball? What does he do? Anybody, want, anybody notice what he does or what he doesn't do? On a D-ball?
1: You're the cornerback. You're you're our shutdown corner. He
2: always turns to catch it. He never tries to catch in the basket over over his shoulder. He turns
1: his shoulder. He turns
2: his shoulder. Go watch him. Every time he'll end up turning his shoulders at one point toward the football to try to kind of high-point it or catch it with, like, basically where he can see the football um, rather than catch it over the shoulder where you have to kind of see it out of your periphery come and dropping it into well, the and, bucket.
1: And for a DB that, like you, that gives away what's that's oh, coming. Oh, you
2: turn around. That's, it's, it's easy money. You basically have stopped running, so, hey, that's easier for me. And the quarterback trying to place it in a spot, you have basically interrupted the trajectory of the ball, too, which is why sometimes he ends up being overthrown. Because he doesn't run through the catch. He tries to turn for it. But but some guys, that that just naturally doesn't really work for him catching the deep ball. Anyway, my point is, Sark, last season, he became obsessed with the deep ball like he always is. And he needed a target. And X-Man, who says he's the fastest guy on the team... He was the only deep threat that you could consistently put out there to run those vertical deep routes. And Texas was not. Texas only completed like 27% of their deep balls last season. They were really, really bad. They were one of the worst teams in the Big 12. I believe they were eighth worst in the Big 12 at completion rate on passes 20 yards or more down the field. So it, it's natural to kind of get away from that. If you want to feature x man. You don't do it by just making him a deep threat down the field. That's typecast. That makes him easier to defend. We know what routes he's running. You make it where at times, yeah, he can be a deep threat on any given down, but he's featured all throughout the offense. And the number one concept in Sark's offense that repeatedly uh shows itself and is showcased is pre-snap motions and shifts. Uh Xavier Worthy is top ten in the power five in players that are on the move in motion and shifting. JT Sanders actually is the top player in, in the power five, moving and shifting. Uh, and in motion because Sark loves to put him in motion and move him around a lot. You look at Xavier Worthy on targets with pre snap motion, guys, he's at 21 yards. Oh, so you try you want to get him the ball on the move, he is extremely lethal. And matter of fact, it's not just Xavier Worthy, targets to motion. I brought this stat up before in 2021. That's a target to a player that was in motion prior to the snap or at the time of the snap. 2021. Texas quarterbacks, 81% completion percentage, 8.4 yards per attempt, uh, 32% first down touchdown rate, and a 30% uh, explosive play rate, a little over 30% explosive play rate. In 2022, you'd be like, oh man, those results couldn't replicate themselves. Actually, they did. 80.5% completion percentage, 10 yards per attempt, 30.5% explosive play rate, 39, 39 Percent first down touchdown rate.
1: Yep, it works. It well, works. And again, we saw it work with uh, the lethal weapons he had at Alabama, where they no one could keep up with Devonte Smith on the the fly motions and Jalen Waddle. Oh yeah, I mean it was just, orbit return motions yeah. and stuff. Oh, oh they were freaky. Well, and again, you, I just look at it as a as a schematic. I mean, if if you have Ad Mitchell or Isaiah Nair running a deep route, running a nine route, and then you've got Xavier Worthy crossing, and you still have to deal with Jatavion oh, yeah. Sanders in a seam. That's, that's that's a lot of pressure on it. Then there's J, you know, Jordan Whittington for the short, you know, dump oh, off yeah. if you need it to. Screens the yeah, game man, and stuff. It's, it's a really that's a that puts a lot of pressure on the defense to try yes, to handle that. Uh and if Quinn Yours is, as you just heard Sark say, in more command, he's he's a different QB this year and he can deliver those passes and uh feel comfortable with with his progressions and his reads this will be a hard offense to stop, but as you said yesterday, it all lines up. You've got to be able to pass protect. you got to be able to run the football to be able to set up those opportunities. Uh, that's what we're looking forward to in 11 days. The Rice Owls are the first opportunity for the Texas Longhorns. Coming back, we'll continue the Texas chatter. Coming off the Sark availability yesterday. Always good stuff. Uh, behind the Burn orange curtain with Rod on the defensive side, which through two scrimmages has gotten the better of the offense. We just talked about the offense heavily. The defense has gotten the better of the offense through those two. So We'll hear why and uh, get Rod's thoughts on that coming up. Plus, for the end of the hour, we go off the record here on Ian Rodby. It's Hook Up with Ian Rod B on the horn. As the
2: war machine keeps turning.
0: Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers. And hook the them Up. 1019 AM 1260. The horn. Oh Lord, yeah. Going
1: behind the burn orange curtain here in a moment. More Texas football talk. Before we do, T.Y., can we play a couple of off? team conversation Steve Sarkeesian had yesterday. The first, the way he started the press conference, uh, well, he got we not have to play it. He just gave uh, thoughts and prayers to uh, the family of Bill Little.
2: Yeah, it was a very classy way to start the press conference.
1: Uh, which you know that's you know he 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 never worked with Bill Little specifically but Bill Little was around enough uh while Sark has been here but obviously we discussed the impact Bill Little had on the the Texas football program and uh that was not lost on coach Sark yesterday to start his availability but I also wanted to play this because uh you know heavy hearts for cowboy fans and longhorn fans with the injury to Demarvion Overshone who was having a tremendous training camp was on his way to carving out a really you know nice role on that Dan Quinn defense Um, yesterday Sark was asked about that. And if he's talked to DeMarvion since the injury happened on uh, late Saturday night.
3: Yeah, I did. I I reached out to him yesterday and and he responded right back. It's a, it's a real bummer. Uh, I hate it for him. It was odd. You know, I actually talked to Dan Quinn earlier in the week, uh, and he was raving about him of how well he was doing. And he was, we all were, we all were seeing it, but Demo's actually in really good spirits. You know, he, I talked to him yesterday before his MRI and he reached back out afterwards and so he's in good spirits, he's in good hands and um you know, he'll be back, you know. But nowadays these surgeries and things, it's it's not what they were fifteen, twenty years ago. So he'll be back and, and he'll be playing great football for him.
1: All right, there you go. Little thoughts on DeMarby on Overshow.
2: Yeah, he I mean he's right about that though. I said that yesterday. The technological advances in medicine and in these surgeries. It, they're not as catastrophic as they once were. Uh, it's still very unfortunate, very sad, but he'll actually be back a lot quicker than people right. uh, realize. Yeah, I'm to the others. point where
1: I don't I don't worry about how he's going to be explosive and, you know, coming off yeah. the injury. It's more about he's yeah. just missing the reps.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just a shame that he's going he's gonna to be so far behind now. Basically, he's going to be a rookie again. Yeah, yeah that's right. Because he didn't get the chance to get the reps at the NFL level. So uh, that's really the most unfortunate part. But I will say this. I saw a quote from um, – I it was Mike McCarthy, actually. It's a great quote, great compliment for DeMarvian Overshone. Um, when he was asked about what DeMarvian Overshone added and what's going to be missing now, um, that he's not going to be with the team. He's missing the whole season now with the ACL injury. Mike McCarthy said, frankly, you can make the argument he's a star of the rookie class. You can wow. see his ability right away.
1: Dang. Yeah, very nice. Well, right? and they've got uh, Deuce Vaughn and Mozzie yeah. Smith, and yeah, Demarco. I knew Connoa they was, loved
2: him when he was breaking down the pre after pregame. That. One was breaking down the huddle as a rookie. I'm like, I've never seen that. Rookies don't get to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Marvin Overshaw was doing it. Yeah. They like him, man. They love. They love him. I should say. Well, they that's like
1: unfortunate him. that he will. Because you're right. When you say he'll be a rookie again, he just you know you, you get better by playing and learning Period. from mistakes and yep. watching the film and watching the tape and. Um, it's the NFL. I mean, this is the highest level you can get. And so you need those reps, and he'll have to start back over. Uh, he did get to go through all the mini camps and off seasons. And so he'll, he'll be a little bit ahead of the curve. But, you know, they very well might draft another linebacker next year. You just, you just, they might. That's they, just how that Lane league Vander, works. They have the past three years in a row.
2: In a row. That's a great point. To, and they need to because Leighton Vanderich may be leaving. Yeah. right. Unless you sign them to a longer-term deal. Well, that's Group.
1: the NFL. You, got, you learned it real quick. I mean, you played with your boys at Texas in high school. You get to the pros, man. They're always looking to draft your replacement. That's just part of the deal.
2: Everybody watches the draft with the same mindset. I hope my team gets better. Just please don't draft my position. <laughs> Every player is watching the same mindset. I like, hope we get better. Don't draft my position. <laughs> don't
1: draft me any you more know, DBs. I, I'm good. I, I was naive because I, I, when I first – I remember I remember I did the show for a couple of years with Dan Neal, uh, the light, legendary oh, yeah. left-hand longhorn. Dan Longboard.
3: Neal's awesome. And Dan's a great Dan friend.
1: Neal. I've known Dan since we were in middle school together. He's so and, cool. And, uh, such a great guy. Yeah. And I was I was like, 'cause I'm a kid. I mean, I love the draft. I'm a i am love the I'm a draft nick. And he was like, I hate the draft. <laughs> I hate, I used to sit and watch the draft with like a pit in my stomach, just waiting for the Broncos Did to draft another been, guard. Yeah. <laughs> I hate
2: it. Hate no matter the draft. how much they love you, if they draft another guard, yeah. They're they're looking for your replacement. That's yeah. just the reality of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. He, That's he, the game.
1: He, it's like when you uh, if you were to catch a girl with uh, like a dating app, you're like, oh,
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, or you catch your partner looking at somebody else. It's like, hey, they're not—you don't know if they're thinking about doing something like leaving you, but they're definitely checking out that other person. What are
1: you doing? <laughs> What's going on over there? Why are you drafting another offensive lineman? <laughs> exactly. Or DB. Uh, okay, so that's coming of coming up before the top of the hour. Our off-the-record segment—we'll hit that. Including this is getting ridiculous, Rod. Rod, you're about to have your first mm. child. Mine are all grown up now, but uh, it's a national day that oh, uh, no. this number is. This is ridiculous. Talk about inflation. Holy smokes. Also, the other off the record conversations of a Tuesday morning. First, so let's go back behind that BOC.
0: And they were all asking themselves the same question
2: What is behind that curtain? All right. Welcome back to another edition of Behind the Burt Orange Curtain. I want to get back to some of that Sark audio from the media availability. Um, he was a very complimentary of the the defense and the defensive front. Actually, um, he actually started out the media availability giving a lot of props to the defense. One would assume, actually, you know that the way Sark talks, that the defense might have won that last scrimmage too. But I think he's been, I think he's uber critical of the offense because he's an offensive guy. Sure. So I think he's just really critical about the details about the offense. Uh, but one position we've been worried about. Um. well, not worried, just concerned about the competition, is the defensive end spot opposite Baron Sorrell. Baron Sorrell has locked down one defensive end. There's been a lot of talk about who's going to end up winning the other defensive end spot. He's mentioned Justice Finkley, but he's also lately – Ethan Burke has been getting a lot of compliments, unsolicited, from Coach talking about Ethan Burke um, and mentioning how much he's been contributing. Well, he was recently asked about Ethan Burke and how he has uh, really performed in training camp so far. Sark was really complimentary of the young player. Here is uh, Steve Sarkeesian,
3: blue collar man. He he's a blue collar guy. I think a he has he has great length. You know he's he's got length. Uh, but at the end of the day, the guy's a mechanic, man. He goes to work. He rolls his sleeves up. He doesn't mind getting grimy. Um, you know, he's, he's always going to try to find an edge somewhere. Um, and, he, and he's got good wits about him. You know, he knows how to play the game. And so, obviously, coming from a great program at Westlake, I think he was taught, you know, really well coming out of high school. You see it with Vosick as well. Uh, but Ethan, just being a year advanced in the system, I think he knows how to really just play the game. But he definitely has a, a toughness, a griminess about him that, that we appreciate.
2: Mm, griminess about him. Remember when uh, Jerry Thompson was asked, how's the D-line performing? He's like, nasty and violent, which is great description for any D-line. Nasty and violent. Uh, <laughs> well, He's
1: a lacrosse player before he was a football player at Westlake.
2: Yeah, which so is a violent vi- sport. And it's yeah, I'm with you. I I, can, I I don't they don't have enough pads on in my opinion. They yeah. need more pads. And they're smacking <laughs> each other. Did you ever play lacrosse or you were <laughs> you with man. football soft. So, soft. Soft? You think lacrosse is soft?
0: At was like oh. lacrosse or soft.
2: Really? Are they the guys who can't make the football team? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh! Whoa. Shots fired.
0: Wow. Same okay. with rugby. Same with rugby. Rugby's not soft. Well, yeah, nor there was lacrosse. At towards the end there, How there, they they there was a soft. few. The football coaches just hated kids that played lacrosse and or rugby. So like, it, you're gonna get hurt, you know.
2: Oh, they want but you but there to was focus on football. That
0: were really good, like Ethan Burke and a few guys I knew that they allowed because they were just you know freak, freak athletes. Yeah.
1: Well, man, when, when Westlake, uh-huh. when when Ethan was a senior and Colton Vosick was a junior, they had those dudes coming off each edge. Uh, that was that's that was a state championship team yeah. for Todd Dodge. Talk, talk about nasty
2: and violent. It's yeah, not, not, that was their names. They were their nicknames. Nasty on one end, violent on the other.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit different. My, my soft butt coming off the edge when I played there. <laughs> the hey, position. man,
2: come on, don't shortchange no, yourself, Todd.
0: Most sacks in Westlake history. I, mean, <laughs> I hold that record.
2: Hey, listen, you know what, Robbie is. Fourth all time in PBU's at the University of Texas. Passes broken up. Half of those were dropped interceptions. I can't guarantee you. So you, don't feel bad about that, but you still made some plays. Uh, all right. Let's. Uh, speaking of making plays, defensive front for Texas. Apparently, they're making a lot of plays. And uh, Steve Sarkisian was really complimentary of this group. Here's Sark talking about his defensive front.
3: Our, our front seven is playing a really good brand of football right now. I was proud of him for that. And and some of the guys that stood out up front, because I don't get to talk about everybody all the time, but I thought Tavondre Sweat probably had his best day Saturday. And when he plays like that, we're a lot better uh, because he's very difficult to block. I thought Leonga LaFau really made a lot of strides from spring ball through the first 10 days or so of training camp and, you know, had a really good scrimmage Saturday. I thought Ethan Burke had a really nice scrimmage, um, you know, kind of, you know, both edges kind of getting solidified now, and I feel really good about those first three guys with Sorrell, uh, Justice, and Burke, and, and what those guys can do. I thought Gavin Holmes had a really good week, and the week turned out to he had a really good scrimmage. And so that that was a positive. Uh, and then the two guys that have been mainstays up front that have been, you know, kind of solidifying their spots and what they're doing. Obviously, Alfred Collins and Byron Murphy again, you know, and so that 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 front is is tough. Um, they're big. They're physical. They're athletic. Uh, they're playing really well together, and I think a lot of that stems from Jalen, uh, just his communication up there at the at the line of scrimmage and getting everybody tied together. So that was good.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm excited about this defensive front, guys. And we've been hearing Alfred Collins actually having that that moment, right, He's the the awakening, the enlightenment of one uh, Alfred Collins that now he may actually be ready to be a dominant force and impact player. He's been talked about over and over again this offseason. If he's having a breakout campaign and then you're talking about Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, uh, you know, Vern Bryden, I guess, another guy you should throw out there too, those guys being able to solidify the interior uh, the, kind of. I talk about the central nervous system all the time, but the interior, the guts of your defense, um, and those guys are pretty much your your top rotational players. That's that's an that's an elite group. I mean, yeah, last about, hmm. last season, guys. I don't know it's hard to say this. Pro Football Focus had Texas interior defensive line as the deepest in college football.
1: Yeah, and and you know you sent two to the NFL and Ojomo and Coburn, yeah. and you've you know Tavondre Sweat came back. One of those could have gone but come back guys. And now Alfred Collins playing like a Sunday player potentially with Byron Murphy, who's going to be a Sunday player, um, you know. And you, he doesn't even he hasn't even mentioned Trill Carter, the Minnesota transfer. He hasn't transfer, mentioned Trill
2: Carter much. Good point,
1: the Minnesota transfer. He's there. Plus, uh,
2: don't talk Vernon Broughton much. Vernon Broughton, Broughton's there. He
1: did early in the camp, but okay. uh, they've got guys. Well, that's right. When you say central nervous system, I love the way you put that because it's the spine of your defense. And mm-hmm. if you're if you're as deep or as you know right there where you were last year. Uh, with Jalen Ford behind that and Jalen Catalan and Keaton Crawford behind that. I and mean, that's that's a pretty good spine. Jaron Thompson. Jaron Thompson. Elder Statesman, yeah. I mean, that's that's central nervous system. You know, can you build on that? It's got to be more havoc, but it does sound like, at least at least in this camp, they're forcing more turnover.
2: Yeah, and every defense that I can remember at Texas that was a, a good to a great defense to an elite defense, they always had that presence, that rock of Gibraltar in the middle of that defense. Hell, For me, it was Casey Hampton, Sean Rogers, and I believe it was – Marcus Tubbs, a little bit after that. So you know Marcus about Tubbs. first and second round picks that I had the luxury of, you know, being able to play behind. And you go look at even in 2017, right? That defense was good. That was Puna Ford. You go look at uh, 2014. That was a good defense. That was Malcolm Brown. You go look at 2011. That was a good defense. That was Keaston Randall. Uh, 2008, really good defense. That was Roy Miller and you know guys like Roy Miller and Lamar Houston. You go look at 05, Frank OCam, Rod Wright. If you go find a good defense in Texas football history, I guarantee you can go back to 77. And seventy-seven Steve Bam Bam McMichael. All right, yeah. no matter what great defense at Texas you want to look at, it pretty much is going to start with that interior guts of that defensive line. And you better have a dog there, and you better have a ward at there. And I think Texas may have a couple of dogs there potentially. Yeah, absolutely. And then what he said about Ford, too, great point, Texter. He did. He said about Ford that they're basically telling Ford now essentially that he is controlling a lot of the you know, the traffic. He's making a lot of the audibles, a quarterback of that defense. Kevin Ford talked about this too. We played the audio he, when he says he sits with Malik Murphy after practice and they talk about the cerebral chess match of the game. Why quarterbacks are making audibles, why they're checking, why are you moving defenders? Why did you uh, motion this guy in? Um, what happened on this play? What did you notice on this play that I could have improved on? Why was I exploited? Those think tank sessions, especially, for uh, you know, quarterback and maybe that ins- inside linebacker that's basically the quarterback of the defense those are invaluable because they really do give you insight on how the opponent is trying to exploit you and how trying to expose you
1: yeah uh well said all right so there's uh, behind the burn orange curtain with some great stuff can i play one from sark on the weaknesses because there's yeah, you know, it. it's kool-aid season for sure and um <laughs> but sark was asked about some weaknesses what are concerns? um as you what keeps you up nights now is we're 11 days to the opener with rice and guys, 18 days to the trip to alabama
3: um you know as always you, you, as you as you build towards the first game you know penalties are always the concern you, you, you get into a game and you know th- those are things that that you can stub your toe right and and it's the it's the pre and post snap penalties that that are concerning right that the, the the self-inflicted wounds as, as I like to call them right the the false starts the jump off sides the illegal procedures uh the late hits you know you're overly aggressive right um and those are some of the things early in the season uh that can get you um you know naturally there's some position groups where you know I don't want to say I'm worried because we're, we're talented but at some point by the end of this week, I've got to, you know, got to make that call, right? And that's that's part of being the coach of saying, okay, who's going to be the first guy or first guys that jog out there? And then how are we going to rotate these people uh, to maximize the, the depth that we do have on our team?
1: All right, there you go. Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. uh penalties, and that's that's uh, you know, special teams, right? Placements, all the things that you just can't, mm-hmm. you know, because coaches are going to stay up nights worrying about the the uncontrollables, you know, you can't that's their job, you know, you coach them up and then jump off size and you're, you're first and 15 or uh, you know, t- penalties still drive you crazy and to get you off schedule, which you don't want to be, so yeah, that's that's pretty good. If you're if you're now 11 days out thinking about those kind of things, how are we going to organize this depth chart? This team's got a lot to like, checks a lot of boxes. Uh, The talking season is nearing its completion, and it's time to to go play.
2: It is the second scrimmage. Well, we've only had two of those, but the the, the second scrimmage where he's mentioned pre-snap penalties. That worries me a little bit. Yes. Because not a lot of offensive coordinators and play callers use as much pre-snap motions and shifts. As Steve Sarkeesian does, yeah, it's got to be on timing exactly. So there's a lot of there's a lot of deception um, that is utilized during the uh, the pre snap phase for Steve Sarkeesian. If you don't get that right, it really makes the offense look clunky. A lot like it did in 2021, where it looked clunky, it didn't flow, didn't really have rhythm. So that's that's big. They're getting a lot of pre snap penalties. That shows me that. And most of it's probably with having to do with the pre snap motions and the shifts and guys, you know, not being in the right place or mm-hmm. not knowing where they where they should be.
1: Don't want to deceive your own guys for crying out loud. You yeah, don't want to deceive the exactly.
2: Demons. Hey, we come back. It's off the record
1: mm-hmm. time, including a national day that, uh, see where Rod's going to be on this as a, a soon to be father who up to make some of these decisions. Also, mm-hmm. the other off the record topics, a little off the nose coming back here on E and Rod B. It's hook them up.
2: d mega doodoo I'm sorry mangudu once it's turned hmm. on the sign will spell out
3: Deli cat Essen
2: well, well I don't get day break
1: day comb. well
0: congratulations continue good sex in the sex in the big East thank you Jimmy and boom goes the dynamite it's time for another edition of off the record
1: do it live I will can- will write it and we'll do it live and thing sucks off the record never sucks He and Rod B. Ty's got some thoughts, too. Next hour, it's our Horn Top 20 countdown. What are we thinking on Clemson at number 9? Clemson, is this the best team that Dabo Swinney's had since Trevor Lawrence left? Some are saying so. Could be. Dynamic duo, linebacker, Cade Klubnick in a Garrett Riley offense. That could be fun. We will preview the Clemson Tigers in the Atlantic Coast Conference. But right now, it's off the record. And Rod, you are about to be a father for the first time. Yes, sir. Uh, I have a problem with this, and I need the current fathers of children ages, uh, well, losing teeth age, because today is National Tooth Fairy Day, Rod. Oh, yeah. National Tooth Fairy Day, and I read this this morning, and I'm very, uh, you do your rants Mm -hmm. of the day. This is a problem. According to a recent survey, the average gift left for a tooth these days by the said tooth fairy has surged 16% to $6.23.
2: I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. No, nope. six
1: dollars and twenty three
2: cents. Inflation. Inflation has hit the tooth market, too. For the kid. Yeah, man. Inflation, it's everything. I had That's three right.
1: Kids and had losing tooth at the same time. That was a buck. Maybe
2: six twenty three. Yeah. Try to get a kid some change and see how they dollar
1: look at you. <laughs> <Per> dollar.
2: <laughs> one dollar. Yeah. No, no, man. You can't go one dollar these days. Now, a dollar per tooth. Dollar no. per tooth, yes. No. That's yes. that's, that's going to end up
1: being a pretty good a little bit of money. Let's put nah, that in your man.
2: bank account. You got to get more than a dollar these days, though. It's got to be at least a couple of dollars per tooth.
0: I got way more than that. What'd you get? Like five. Uh, at least
2: five or ten. See? That's at Westlake Life. Dang, ten. that's five. right, Mr. <laughs> 78746.
1: Five dollars <laughs> per
2: tooth. I'm trying to pay wholesale prices. So I'm just like, yeah, just try to well, pay parents, wholesale prices for the tooth.
0: My parents told me, like, Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy weren't real when I was, like, seven years old. Shh.
2: Oh.
0: <clears throat> they ruined the fun.
2: Ty doesn't out of the car line on. doesn't know he's talking <laughs> about kids. Don't listen to him uh, It's real guys. You it's real. talking
1: about kids. Keep believing. Yeah.
2: Keep on believing. Believe
1: all the way to the end.
2: Yeah, 623 doesn't surprise me just cuz of inflation. It's just like
1: 23. I mean some people are given like 2 bucks, some 3 and then some 10. So that's where you get to 6, you know, somewhere when do in you stop true.
0: losing teeth. I
1: used uh, to pull when you're about what time. 7 or 8. Okay. Uh 9 maybe. Uh, but, yeah, if you pull it out, I mean, you're trying to make money. You were always a gambler, Ty. Let me yank <laughs> this thing out and get some money. That's a good way. I need to need – to, <laughs> I don't know. That's a lot, Rod. That's a, that, that seems, that a lot lot seems heavy it, to me. It
2: doesn't surprise me because I have, like, nieces and cousins, and I was a little surprised when they were getting that kind of money, too. I was like, I got – I remember getting, like, change. Yeah, me too. Did like a quarter or something, like 50 cents for a tooth. Now these kids getting dollars and $5 for a tooth. I'm not surprised, man. Yeah, so you can you can you can bank if you a well, kid. Well, listen, you're gonna lose
1: autumn teeth. Your child, okay, you can you can be disagreeing <sighs> with me, but your child's gonna lose twenty
2: teeth. Exactly, twenty five dollars each. tooth, there you go. You're paying a hundred dollars, but you're not listening
1: <laughs> to your boy over here. I had three at one time that were losing teeth. Oh, it's
2: true. <laughs> I mean, come I on, didn't man. think about that. They were very close together. Yeah, you're right about that. I didn't think about that. Ah, uh, you're right. I'm being selfish.
1: That's Sixty teeth <laughs> at five dollars each. We're talking three hundred bones. <laughs> teeth. There's no accomplishment in losing a tooth.
2: There is no accomplishment in losing a tooth. I don't know. The Tooth Fairy, listen, the Tooth Fairy, listen, she is She's, she's a bit of a gold digger. Let's be honest, all right? So she wants, she wants that top dollar for them teeth. Top dollar for them teeth, man.
1: Well, and, it, and I would just advise the Father, set, mm. set the precedent early.
2: Don't be messing around. You say just basically, basically treat them like running backs? Like treat, yeah. de- devalue their teethiness. Reward
1: them for doing something of accomplishment. <laughs> That's what I would say. Reward them when they do something really good. Um, but like, don't – I mean, losing teeth is not an
2: accomplishment. It's just a part of a growing A birthday them. is not an accomplishment either. No, it's not. You were That's just why they go over
1: the top with birthdays, yeah, too. Yeah,
2: like, you're just it. You didn't do any damn thing. Your mama did all the work. Whoever birthed right. you did all the work and whoever you're raised big you. on,
1: like, honor rolls yeah, and graduations. Yeah,
2: and athletic accomplishment count, too. Yeah, Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. Some some work, uh, a plan of execution, whatever it may be. A well mowed
1: lawn. That's good
2: too. <laughs> Cleaning your room. Yes. Clean the bathroom. All that. That's Vacuuming. Worth some, yes. That's worth some money. Come on, I'm with you. Okay. Teeth
1: lost, teeth losing. Yeah. Come I'm gonna on, I'm
2: gonna start that in my house. So Soft. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to start at a dollar for you. When the she loses her first tooth. I'm going to try to start at a dollar. My oh, wife will probably man, disagree, though. She,
1: too. That's going to be hard.
2: It always uh, <laughs> She, trust me. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's God's cosmic joke. Please, Dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <All laughs> I've, right. had a, I've had a hard time in my life saying no to women, period. So now, <laughs> now I got one that I'll never be able to say no to. So no, thanks. I appreciate true. that, guys. She'll yeah. do you proud. What do you
1: have there, Mr. RB?
2: Uh, oh, speaking of kids, Antonio Brown. Um, oh, no. Cop. Yeah. He's in the Again, guys, cops have ordered have been ordered to arrest him uh, over unpaid child support. Surprising, yeah. according to Miami Dade County court documents, a ruling Dead was issued. Antonio, yeah, Brown apparently missed a fifteen thousand dollars payment to his ex, and uh, now they've added like additional payments to that, or I guess maybe there are some fees associated with it. Uh, so now they believe the number is at thirty thousand dollars. 30 G's. Yeah. orders this issue because Brown failed oh, to make $30,000. $30, a make a $30,000 payment to her. So
1: Support oh, your babies, please.
2: Yeah, man. You got to pay. Yeah, no doubt. Pay, hey,
1: um, <laughs> and thanks for the text. We'll read some of these coming back because people are that actually are doing this right now. I'm way done with it. My kids are 21, 22, and 25 now, so I'm good. But um, mm-hmm. you okay with this riding off the record? Looks please. like uh, Skip Bayless will be joined on his Fox TV show by Keyshawn Johnson.
2: Oh, he used to do uh, like a radio show, didn't he? How
1: unlikely are you to watch that program? I didn't watch terrible. it before, so I'm not gonna watch it now. <laughs> I didn't a... watch
2: it in his prime, when it was, was him and Stephen A. I didn't watch it then. I'm definitely not gonna watch it now. Agreed. Yeah. Sorry.
0: I saw Lil Wayne will be on there sometimes. I'll play panelist. something for you coming up about nice. Skip now Bayless. Now
1: that I'd watch. Actually. I'll play something for you coming up on Skip Bayless, which I like a lot. I'll have that for <laughs> is you. Is it
2: complimentary to Skip Bayless?
1: No. <laughs> he lets it. He, he opens his mouth and makes himself a fool. I yes, like that. He loves, does uh, that also, it uh, looks like Sage Steele is out at ESPN. Sage Steele. That's out. a lot of
2: people out of ESPN. Hopefully Apple buys it and hires everybody back. (laughs) Yeah, I'll
1: get you that deal coming up. It looks like uh, there's some word on the street that Apple may swoop in and change the media rights landscape forever. We'll get you details coming back.